Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Coming up on episode 295 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Cadillac CT4, the Hyundai Ionic 6, the Ford Bronco Everglades, Toyota Highlander Hybrid, and Honda CRV Hybrid, the MG Cyberster, and VW ID7, and Lexus LM from the Shanghai Motor Show, update on clean vehicle credits, and curbside charging with Hyundai. All that and more coming up next. <laughs> This is episode 295 of Wheel Bearings. I am Sam Abul Samage from Guidehouse Insights. And I am Nicole Wakelin from, oh, let's throw it out. I don't throw out very often, Car Talk. Hmm, Car Talk. I've been writing for those guys. Cool. And I am Roberto Baldwin from Motor One. Not Excellent. from Car Talk, but now I feel like I want to work at talk Car Talk. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we talk about cars right here. Yeah, exactly. But technically, we're a car talk on our own. Yeah. We don't need the car talk, car talk. Well, they might <laughs> we just, disagree. We, we don't. We don't own the copyright or the trademark. We don't own that trademark. Correct. We own none we of are, that. Yeah. We do please, talk about cars on mad. occasion. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, what have you been driving, Robbie? So I had uh, a nice little economy car, the uh, 2022 uh, Ford Bronco Everglades. <laughs> <laughs> oh, super efficient car, man. You mean, you mean the opposite of efficiency. The the opposite of efficiency. Um okay. So <laughs> I my my wife had a really we we got in the Did car. Did you go find a swamp to drive it in? There's no swamps. The the rain's all gone. I just I, just, I don't It's got a winch on the front. I like played with it for like a grand total of three minutes in my did driveway. Did you winch anything? Did you There's just nothing like, to winch. When am I going to winch? Did you just find a random stick and winch it across your driveway just because you could? Like, <laughs> just like a this, tiny just, little stick. Yeah, just tow it across. Just like I winched I this across it, the driveway. <laughs> I taped it to the hook. So Yeah, exactly. So it wouldn't fall off. <laughs> so, okay. So we get in. We're, I'm driving the car around. And uh, my wife gets in the car. And she immediately says what I've been thinking for the past week. This is too much. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, 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 you know, and, and I'm like, okay, it is because a lot of people are going to buy this and it's never going to, you're never going to have to use a snorkel. You're probably never going to use the winch. Now, if you do buy this and you, you're going to be, you know, fording through deep water and you're going to get stuck like Sam did that one time, then yeah, you're going to probably want to use the winch and you're, you're, you're going to use this. But I just, it's so much and it's, it, this is big and I don't know. It gets, I got like, it's got 18 miles per gallon. <laughs> oh, you pretty good for a Bronco. No, no, no. I got to 17.1. Oh. It was at like 16.8. I got 17.1 because then I just started driving around in eco mode. Yeah, because I was hypermiling it. <laughs> I was hypermiling the Bronco. <laughs> um, and then we went to the store. We bought some things. We threw it in the back of it. No mulch, just regular life stuff. And you know, for what it is, great it's awesome you know you can take the top off you can take the doors off all these things but i i really i you know i i sort of agree with my wife she's like i wish it was just 25 percent smaller no I wish I, th- there's that nobody's gonna anybody who buying that wants it to be 25 percent bigger 
exactly. person who's actually buying. That's the thing is that the U.S. market wants big cars, and here you go. It's big, and there's a lot of things you'll never actually do. <laughs> that's, the, that's the U.S. market, um, you know, and and you know, should, it, there's no hybrid. There's probably one on the horizon. Um, Are they really going to make a hybrid of that one, though? Of the Everglades? Not, not the Everglades. Well, oh. I mean, they're going to probably make start making a hybrid. I, well, actually, at, I, at some I, I think point, at some stuff. point, yeah, I think at some yeah. point there will be a hybrid, just a hybrid option. I mean, you know, that can go in any of the Oh, that can go the in any of yeah. Okay, that it, I see. Yeah. Any, anything okay, except the Raptor. Sense. Raptor yeah, everything but the rap. Yeah. <laughs> that, be... that just makes me laugh. Just think about that. <laughs> that one will just be a, like an EV, but it only has like 30 miles because they want to reduce weight. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's it. I like the Bronco for what it is. Um, I, I I can't. My wife asked if I feel guilty driving it. I do. I'm, and I'm like, you know, I kind of do. Do you really <laughs> feel guilty it's driving so it? It's so inefficient. I'm not doing anything with it. That's the thing is if you're not doing the Bronco thing in it, then you're just driving a big inefficient box. You're just burning fuel for the. You're just burning fuel and you're just showing off for the neighbors. You're literally just like a poser. Yeah, you're just you're you're essentially a poser. And it's the Bronco. This new version of the Bronco hasn't been around long enough where people are, are grabbing, you know, ones that are five years old and stripping them and then making them into rock crawlers. It doesn't have that. It's not there yet. It's not like, you know, the, the Jeep world where, you know, there are people who are buying Jeeps and they're like, oh, I got a Jeep and I drive it around. It's nice. And then there are people who are like, I bought an old Jeep. I ripped absolutely everything off of it. <laughs> and then I rebuilt it. And now, it, you know, now I can climb over a house, a small house, but still I can just drive still right house. straight over a house. Yeah, yeah. I can still drive over a house. Just don't go so, through a mud pit. Just don't go through a mud pit. You need it. Um, but you can get a you know you can get a, a plug-in hybrid Jeep. That's and that's nice. So you can, like most of that time when you're sort of posing, you can just cruise around. You're not really you're like, hey, I got my Jeep, but I'm also not getting 17.1 miles per gallon because Robbie put in eco mode for a while. <laughs> well, I, you know, to to be fair, if you did have you know a Pentastar Wrangler, that's about what you would be getting about 17, maybe 18 miles per gallon if Pretty you're much. lucky. You know, they're yeah. they're it's not it's not it's not any worse. And no, that's you know that, if that's you, the thing. If you if you got the the Wrangler 392, you might what be lucky to break into the get? double double digits. Does that even um, get? I, I well, feel this, like that should get zero miles per gallon. It gets well, one half the, of one mile per gallon. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's all you get. And that's that's the, the the thing is that these cars are far more efficient than their than their predecessors. Like like a, a good just to show what we've done in the last like say 15, 20 years. My Jaguar. God damn, I hate that car. My V6 Jaguar gets the same <laughs> mileage as a current Ford Expedition. <laughs> so whether I'm driving my Jaguar sedan from 2004 or I'm driving a 2023 Ford Expedition, I'm getting the exact same mileage. <laughs> oh so my God. so to, to answer your question, the yes. uh, Wrangler 392, 13 city, 17 highway, 14 combined. Okay, oh, so it gets more than one good. half of one mile per gallon. Okay, that's I, would, I was exaggerating. There you go. But it does so, make a fantastic sound. Yeah. So so anyway, it's got 2.3 liter, 2.3 liter EcoBoost engine. Doesn't have the bigger engine. Um, it gets uh, has 300 horsepower, 325 pound feet of torque. 
Um, it does. It did come in probably the best, you know, just the spectacular green color. It is called Eruption Green. Oh, I know exactly just, the color you're talking about. It it's is gorgeous. beautiful. It is beautiful. It's and really pretty. It, it, when you get in the car, you're like, oh, there's all these buttons and stuff. It's like very like, oh, this is so much fun. And then you're like, oh, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> yeah, this could be so cool. I'm not using any of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's it. And it, 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 I think on one hand, it's just very much this this idea that like. Here's this very capable vehicle that most people are never are, are not going to use this capability. Do you think most people who buy that, like, because I know like a lot tons of people buy a Jeep, right? Like a Wrangler, and they never really Wrangler it; they just yeah. drive on the road. Do you think people who buy not the Bronco but that Bronco, the Everglades, are not going to Everglade it? Like, how? I don't think. I don't think. I think maybe twenty percent. That and that's. Yeah. I'm being very, very, very nice. Okay. I was I curious. Probably about right. You think so? A- even with that one, yeah. I see a lot of raised Toyota pickups with uh, with uh, um, snorkels on them. Yeah. And I, I can guarantee you most of those. They, they, but then you look at the wheels that they're driving on. I'm like, unless they have other wheels at home that they're using. I've never seen – there's not a scratch. There's not a blemish. There's nothing on these these trucks. And the Bronco that I have – because journalists have had it. Oh, you know, God. It's got like blemishes and little scratches here and there, which is I'm like, okay, yeah, that's – you know, people have been doing the, the thing. But I did notice that no one has uh, taken – no one read the manual on the, the winch. So I'm like, I don't think – and the winch is like clean. Was it, <laughs> like, oh, it shrink-wrapped? The man yeah, yeah, shrink-wrapped? Yeah. So they still have – they have the little the little uh, trigger was in the center console. So it looks like it's been used, but it, it feels pretty it's good. All I, think, well, I feel like everyone's it, it, used it the same way I used it. or like, I don't know. <laughs> and then just retract it back in. You're like, all right, that works. <laughs> So, you know, given that this is the, the Everglades trim, you know, which is nominally meant for, you know, kind of wetter, wetter off-roading, you know, in swamps and things like that. Did, didn't you do the drive in up north uh, with, with that one? With the, I with did. the Everglades? Did you do that one, Robbie? I did not. I didn't do I that. Did. I did. I Evergladed it. But not yeah. in the Everglades. But I did yeah. drive it as God in, intended in the, in the Michigan version of the Everglades. In the Michigan version of the Everglades, through the muck and the mud, and had enough water that we drove through. Is the first time ever. It was a really long stretch of. That was the time long. they gave you guys uh, hip waders, right? They gave us hip waders. Like, no, oh, you're see? probably going to need these. I'm like, really? But they they had us drive through water that honestly, if you're have you ever been in like a small boat and you can hear the water sort of lapping up against the sides oh, of yeah, the hull, yeah. you could hear that only it was the car. It's like, oh my god, this <laughs> see, is freaking me go. out. So, so we did in, we did like, Everglade it and it was very cool and we winched a tree that did not need to be winched, but the men were like, we are going to winch this. I'm like, okay, gentlemen, <laughs> have at it. I'm going to sit here in the car away from the mosquitoes the size of small like you know birds. You guys go ahead and winch that little tiny tree. So, so if you live in you know, like my my uncle used to have like a, a jeep, and he drove that thing off road all the time, and it had a winch, and it did all the off road jeepy things. He used it to go like hunt wild boar with like a bow and arrow. He did not. Are you making yeah. this up? No, this is for Robbie. Real, doesn't real. make up stuff like this. I don't. Yeah, no. I just got a weird. I don't know, weird wow. eclectic family with a lot. No, that's why I'm like, wait, this could be real. He's not just <laughs> no, no. This is this is real. So if you're if you are looking for sort of a turnkey, I need to go drive through some mud, and I need a winch, and I do like this is you know, and and that's your life. Totally get it. I'm, so I'm, so does the Everglades have mud terrain tires on it? You know, because the 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 Bronco Raptor when I drove that one, you know, it had all terrain tires that were clearly not designed for. For mud. mud environments 
And so I'm curious if, if the Everglades has more mud oriented tires. I'm looking at the uh, Monroney. I don't think it says it, it does or it isn't. And I didn't. Um... See, now he did it to you. He asked you a question. <laughs> he, did it you to you. I know. he normally does it to me. And I'm like, that's my role just... on this show. It's like, dang it, better. Yeah, yeah, they have mud. It has mud traction. They okay. Mud, they have mud tires on them. So, because um, yeah, that, so that, that's the, obviously what you want, you know. If you're yeah, it has, call it has the bits. It's turnkey. If you're living that life, you've lived in Alaska and you have to drive like through like some craziness to get home and only once, you know, you only see other humans once a week or if you live in, you know, really parts of any other state. Alaska just sounds cool. Um, and that, that's your lifestyle? Yeah, just totally a, a great vehicle. If you live in town, just get the regular Bronco. Because, <laughs> 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 you know, you're not using all the, these bits. And it's already, you know, the Bronco's already not doing great So when it comes to, to efficiency. And I understand why it sells. And I understand, you know, what you want. Because, I, I, again, I really like it. But, again, it comes down to, now what? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing a lot of off-roading. <laughs> I have to go two hours to do any like fun off-roading for my house because, you know, we have a lot of protected things and it's for humans to walk around, not just. <laughs> I just so we made in California come crazing through in your Bronco Everglades. Get out of the way, people enjoying nature. Here I come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so what we've done, we've, we've set up these huge like off-road places that you can go to, but I'm like smack in the middle of where they all are. <laughs> They're all like two hours away from me. Um, yeah. So anyway, the Bronco Everglades, if you're an truly outdoorsy, you're going to go out in the middle of nowhere and you're actually have to drive through a river or through a swamp or, you know, you're really concerned. You know, if you live in Miami, maybe this is a good car. Rising seas. That's, that's a good point. I'll, yeah, I'll, have, to, I'll have to try somewhere. and get one and take it back to uh, that off-road park and, and run it through a mud pit again. Because at, yeah. least, at least this one comes with a winch. Yeah, it comes with a winch. So. You could take everything. And that's the thing is I really like you could take everything off. You can take the top off. You can get the doors off. You can, I was like, this, everything about this is awesome. But then it comes down to like the reality of being an adult. You're like, oh. It's not <laughs> responsible, dang it. <laughs> Which is just, yeah. Anyway, so the one I drove, uh, $56,835 with the uh, destination delivery. Uh, what, what what do you all think that what that was? Sixteen ninety five. Uh, Sixteen hundred. Oh man, you're so, it's fifteen ninety five. So I just seen Nicole oh. for the win. She went five dollars over, but it's close enough. I was um, I, I get that one. Give that to, yeah. give that one well, to me, please. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what's cool is it has a uh, it, and there's so Ford has been really good about their their vehicles just being like just clever for things that you actually might use. And one of the things I really liked is it has like when you open the the the, the little tailgate, tailgate, there's a slide out tailgate. You can sit on it. Like it slides out from the car so you can sit there and you're not sitting in the car and sort of hunched over if you're tall because your head is hitting something. Um, you can sit there and it's just all these like little smart little things that Ford has been putting on their vehicles. And um, but at the end of the day, I don't know, I just get a Maverick. <laughs> get a Maverick. Is that your thing now? Get a Maverick. It's just, it's just everything that people need. Yeah. No, I, I totally but, agree. But this is a complete. I mean, this is a different beast. Um, but yeah, if you're looking, you know, if you if you live out in, if you're a swamp person, get the Everglades. A swamp person. <laughs> I do. You know what I'm concerned about is the giant sticker on the side of it, because I had a. Oh, I really? Had the, do you think it's going to peel off? Oh yeah, because I, I saw it peeling off on the uh, 
the Maverick oh, I had a few really? weeks ago. Yeah, that sticker is going to come right off. Especially, after. I guess, yeah, if you're I'm, doing really aggressive stuff like going through the swamp and sticks and water and mud and muck. Yeah, yeah. and you know, if you're going through some of those narrower trails, you know, where there's you know tree branches and stuff, um, you know, they're yeah, they're gonna it's gonna probably scrape that right off. You know, you know what I suggest if you're buying this is um, ask the dealer to take the sticker off. Can they do Just that? Just take it off. Well, did I, you ask I, them to I, take I that think off? those are those are usually um, like you know an extra cost thing. So you know if you're going to order one, order it without that. Yeah. All right. It's I just mean, it's huge. It's like a giant. It's, a it's not just yeah. it's not just this Everglades. It's like there's a little map and then there's a little Sasquatch oh, yeah. on it. It's all like, in. <laughs> just 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 get that taken off unless. Unless you're going to do it or wrap oh, it OK, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at a picture of the Everglades. Now, you're talking about like right behind the front <laughs> wheels. Yes. Oh, you can't yeah. Miss OK, it. that one, I think, is standard on the Everglades. So, yeah, yeah see, if they, you, see if they can get them to take that off for you. Yeah, I'm sure they would. I feel like and they have the tools get to the do green. that for you. Oh, my God. Just get the green. The green but but let's say why eruption green? I would get eruption molten lava red. Red. Eruption green makes me think of a zit. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe it's like trees are erupting because you're destroying Wait, what them. Is, why eruption green? I know I just ruined the color. It's a fantastic color, but the name perplexes. You know how they have the, uh, or I don't know if they still do, but they had the um, the uh, uh, <laughs> Wu Tang Clan name generator. What? Okay, so Wu Tang, you know who Wu Tang Clan is, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay, so they had the name generator, and apparently. Uh, Daniel Glover, the uh, Childish Gambino, he got Childish Gambino name from the Wu-Tang. Um, oh, is that where that came from? Did he really? That's I didn't what, know that's that. That's what he says. So I think there's one for car makers when it comes to, like, us, like a color generator. It's like a color and then, like, crazy adjective. Because <laughs> sometimes it feels that's all they do. Like Yeah. So they're using, like, the Wu-Tang clan name generator. Generator for, to come up with Eruption Green. Yeah. <laughs> is it, let me see if it's still available. <laughs> Now I'm going to play with that. Now I have something to kill time that I don't have I don't to kill. I don't have the time to kill to play with that. Oh, oh, still, yeah. Bear too. Woo me. Savage Paw. That's my Wu-Tang Clan name general. Savage, Savage Paw. Paw. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, you go to WuTangClan.net and then forward slash name. Okay, now I'm going to be generator. with this. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Now. Savage Paw, <laughs> which is perfect for the Everglades. Okay. Sounds good. Sorry, that was I just went off the rails then. That's the okay. You can do that. I mean, everybody now listening is suddenly coming. I apologize for that name ruining everything. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, it's a good car. I'm like, yeah, it's a good car, but, but, uh, but... all right, Nicole, what are you yes. been driving? Okay, I'm ready now. I had two cars this week because I was home for part of the week and I was in Wisconsin for part of the week. So start with the one that I had at home, which was the Honda CRV Hybrid, um, which is new this year. They made it better, um, and this is the first time I've driven it. I didn't get to drive this at the launch, so I was kind of glad to be able to have some time with this one. Um, I like the old CRV. It wasn't like I hit you. Know, sometimes they were doing all new, and you're you think, oh god, the old one was so bad. Like the old HRV, Blah. it was really bad. So yeah. when they came out with a new one, it's like, oh, thank you, baby Jesus, for coming out with a better version of this car. The old CRV was pretty good to begin with. So coming out with a new one, it's not like it had to like scale this, you know, scale out of the depths of crossoverness. But I like it. They made it a little bit bigger. So there's a little more room inside. There's a little more cargo room. It's 
got like some fresher styling. So it looks more in line with what Honda's doing these days. Um, it's got a little bit more responsive powertrain than it had before. So they like, it's a little bit more of everything. All the things are a little bit better than they were the last time around, which is good. I mean, that's a good way to, to move forward with the car that already was really solid to begin with. They used to, this is kind of a neat thing. So it used to be super confusing. Honda would break out. There was the Honda CRV, and then there was the Honda CRV hybrid. And they had them like as two separate things. And it became confusing when you were looking at them, like, wait, which one is the hybrid? And this one only comes with the gas engine, but I want, oh no, wait, I get, it was very confusing. Now it's just Honda CRV and you pick your powertrain um, and you get That's a choice. It's not a separate model anymore. It's no longer a separate model. So you get your choice of two versions of this that come with the hybrid. There's the sport and the sport touring sport is 34,000. I don't have Monroney, so I'm just pulling roughly. And the Sport Touring is 39000 That's what I was driving. Gentlemen, destination. Take your guesses. 1195 Ooh, ooh, ooh. $1. Oh, same wins. Oh. It's twelve ninety five. Damn it. I should have said eleven ninety six. dollars yeah. <laughs> yeah, you chose poorly. So it's pretty high destination but and the pricing like 34 and 39 i feel like that's a pretty big difference so if you're still looking for the hybrid version of the crv but you don't want to have to you just don't want some of the bells and whistles some of the extra pretty just go for the sport you're still getting pretty much the same dealio as what you're getting with the sport touring um you're just getting like you get a nicer interior and sort of trim upgrades it does look really good like i think honda did a really good job of making the interior this it looks like a $39,000 car. You know, sometimes you look at these and you think that is not worth that much money. Why are we paying that much for that? <laughs> like, this is not, <laughs> this one you look, you're like, oh no, wait, that, that tracks, that actually looks like it should be that. So, and it's super comfy. I mean, the seat's really comfy. Second row is really nice. There's plenty of room in the second row, even for tall folks. So you can easily get people comfortable. I don't know how often you'd want to put three people in that second row. Cause that would get kind of squishy, but it is still enough that you could do it if you were like doing a short hop. So for a family of four, or someone who's just got like two people they're bringing along for the ride a lot. It's a great option. And it has plenty of power. It's got 204 horsepower. So it's got a, a decent amount of power for a crossover. This isn't a car to go and win races. This is, you know, you're going with a hybrid. You're looking for fuel efficiency and versatility in a crossover. And I feel like this has it. Uh, I like this. And it gets EPA, 40 miles per gallon city, city, 34 highway, 57 combined. That can't be right. 37 combined. Sorry, my math is wrong and my handwriting is sloppy. So 40 city, 34 highway, 37 combined. That's pretty good fuel economy. You know, that's going to be decent. Um, and it does have enough, like sometimes these crossovers, I feel like the second row, when it's when you have people in the second row, you have nothing behind it. Like you have no room. You're lucky if you could put like one like the kind of carry-on bag you'd stow in an overhead behind it. It just gets really, really tight. This, you could still have a full load of people and you have a decent amount of cargo room back there. You can easily put suitcases. You could put some, you know, if you had kids and you're running away for a weekend adventure, going camping or something, there's enough room back there to make it actually usable. And I feel like that's important in a vehicle like this because you're going back and forth between needing it to do cargo, needing it to do people, needing it to have some combination of the two. So I really like that. I think I like the CRV. I liked the old one. So I'm not surprised that I like the new one. I think my only complaint was that if you really, really mash the gas, <clears throat> it gets a little bit loud. It's like on the highway. It's like, I am doing my best. And it's, it's, it's a little noisy, but only if you're like really aggressively accelerating to get onto the highway, or if you're, you know, trying to get around a slower moving car and you, again, you have to mash that gas pedal, it gets a little noisy the rest of the time. 
smooth, well-mannered, quiet. The ride is even nice and smooth. So I think the CRV just continues to be the really good, solid crossover that it always has been. You okay. get in a CRV every like every once in a while we've rented a CRV or they're like, hey, we're gonna bring your CRV this week, and I'm like, okay, I don't know what I'm gonna, and you're mm-hmm. just like, all right, CRV's coming. You sort of sort of forget about it. It's just the car. It's in the background. And then you get in, you're like, oh man, this is a really good car. Right. It's just solid. It does it. We owned a CRV for a little while, and it just we just did all the things we wanted with it, but then we had to sell it because we had that or or the WRX, and come on. WRX one. <laughs> we had a CRV so long ago it looked nothing like this one. It still had the um. Tire on the tailgate back. Oh in yeah, we had one of those. That's we like the that. first generation, I think. And it had. I'm pretty sure. Did that? Did it have the? Ours table? looked like a panda. Was that the one that had the table, or was that the Honda Element that had the table? I think I, that was the. Yeah, it had table. You take the table out of the back, and you can. Did pop you have it? Did you have a table in the CRV? Yeah, I, I had like the table. Was, yeah, oh. there was a little table in the CRV. That's how old the CRV we had. So it looks absolutely nothing like this. And every time, my, like my husband sees me, he's like. This isn't like mine. I'm like, yeah, because yours is probably in a junkyard somewhere. This is slightly no, more. No, it's not. It's a CRV. I know. Realistically, like, someone's oh, still driving is, it. <laughs> oh, it. It could be rusted out. It could just be four wheels and it's a steering wheel and a, and a motor, and it's still going. There, there, there is one of those first-generation CRVs here in my neighborhood. Is there really? And, yeah, and um, it looks like it probably should be retired, yeah. but it's still going. Yeah, it's this, that, yeah, that, they're, they're never gonna stop. The, bump, so, bump, the front bumper's barely hanging on there. You know, yeah, no, it'll. Lots you know, it's funny. Tape. We we had our CV, we had it for probably like four years, five years. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until the day we were gonna sell it, we were, we were cleaning it out, that I found the little button to pop the the hatch, the rear hatch from the inside of the car. <laughs> you know, like we were always looking for. Like, where is? I'm like, does it just not have it? How is this work? This seems so strange. I'm like, does it not have one? I'm like, all right, well, it just doesn't have one. That's fine, whatever. And then we just, and then the day I'm like cleaning it up and stuff and making it nice for the next owner, and I found it. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I found the button. Well, goodbye, CRV. That was a great car. You know what? You know what I found the day after, like, uh, like not the day after, probably year after I sold it. I had a Volkswagen Beetle, and my car key. You know, it's that sort of chunky key where the little key flips out. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I threw my car key on the coffee table one day and a little tray on the coffee table and it went under the coffee little tray and I didn't know it and it wedged itself between the bottom of the tray and the leg perfectly so it was completely hidden I couldn't find my car key I had no idea where it was for like three years I didn't know where that damn car key was I finally went to move and when I went to move I lifted up the thing and I'm like oh my god there's the car key yeah if you want to uh if you want to take a crv to the track you need that uh hybrid rate crv hybrid racer that they built oh yeah they're just a good car that's and yeah i remember like yelling at not yelling hassling the honda pr people about getting rid of the fit and they're like you know the fit does well but look at the crv look at the numbers like we're just gonna push everyone to that (laughs) i have like 20 different people coming to my house for things and for some of them i can ignore it and some of them i can't and i don't know who's coming when because it's all that like we're showing up today Okay. Okay. <laughs> At some point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was just telling Robbie. Um, you know, if you if you want to if you want to win races with the CRV, I think w- the one you need is the uh, the CRV hybrid racer that Honda recently unveiled uh, a couple of months ago, which um, is sort of vaguely shaped like a CRV, but um, it's a tube frame chassis underneath with an IndyCar engine, a Honda IndyCar engine in it. So it's like 750, 800 horsepower. Uh, from this 2.2 liter twin turbo V6. That'd be pretty uh, cool. This, this is if if Group B was still a thing in 2023, 
and Honda was involved, this is the kind of thing that <laughs> Honda would build as a Group B race car. But yeah, sadly, Group B no longer exists. It, that went away when a few too wah, many people wah. got killed. Well, you know, mm-hmm. safety. Yeah. Whatever. I, I have a whole other thing about, I guess someone died like years ago on the 24 Hours of Lemons. Uh-huh. I think they had a heart attack. I don't remember how they oh, died. So it, may, really... might have been, it might have been an accident. Might have, but someone was like, this is why they shouldn't have that race. I'm like, oh. I'm like it's like one person. It's, it's, it's not really a race. Yeah. In racing. Yeah, it's a race. race. <laughs> in the loosest sense of the word, race. Yeah, it's a race quotes. in the <laughs> sense that people are like putting, like, you know, gluing things to their junk car. <laughs> one, one of my favorites was the, uh, the upside down Camaro. I don't know if you ever saw that one. No, never saw that. Some somebody um, took a uh, a fourth generation Camaro body and put it on a chassis upside down. Um, I'll I'll have to find it and uh, I'll put a link to it in the uh, put in the show uh, notes. Yeah, in the show notes. Uh, how do you spell Camaro? C A M A M A R O. Doesn't matter. He's like, wait, these words are so tricky. Um, yeah, this, this thing's pretty crazy looking, um, here, I'm going to drop it in the chat right now. Uh, all right. Anything else on the CRV? That's all I got on the CRV. That's uh, it. Okay. I liked the CRV and I have, <laughs> I liked oh, it. You you had, you had something else that you drove too, though, I right? I did. I okay. also, so when I flew to Milwaukee to visit my daughter and buy her new appliances for her condo. That's mom life. Um, I got the Toyota Highlander hybrid. So I went from a small hybrid to a bigger hybrid. Like you're the small family, you got the Honda CRV, And then I feel like you get the slightly bigger family and you go for the Highlander. Um, I like the Highlander. It looks really slick inside. I had the, the hybrid. Oh my God. Was it the platinum platinum trim? which is the fanciest of the trims. It was absolutely beautiful inside and so comfy. Also the heated seats and the heated steering wheel in this thing heated up in roughly two seconds, which it was snowing on me in Wisconsin. And I appreciated the heated seats and the (laughs) heated steering wheel. Uh, So it was, it's very nice. And also it has a very roomy second row. So um, we were with my daughter and her boyfriend. He's like six, four or something. He was sitting in the second row captain's chairs, Matt. And he was, perfectly comfy. Like he had plenty of room. He was, you know, he wasn't, cause I look at him sometimes when we have these cars back there and he's all squished, he was not squished. And he was sitting behind my husband who was six, three. So two, six foot guys, one right behind the other. And there was still plenty of room. So it's very roomy. What is not roomy is that third row. I, I don't, I don't understand why it's there. It is. I climbed back there and I had to have my legs like sideways. <laughs> I couldn't put my feet Straight. It is. Have you sat in the third row of the Highlander? I have attempted to climb back there. Yes, and you are did, absolutely correct. And this is I why they're building the Grand trying. Highlander. Yeah. Did you sit? You did not sit back there, Robbie. Did you? No. I sort of just stopped trying to sit in the third row of cars unless that I clearly will fit because it's just it's it's just me. Like it's I'm hurting. I'm, I'm potentially hurting myself. <laughs> To say exactly what I can just see with my eyeballs. Yeah, it yeah. is. I thought I looked at it and I'm like, I wonder if it's just like, is this an optical illusion? Is and I got back there and I thought, oh my gosh, no, I can't sit. I literally could not sit back there. My knees were jammed against the seats. My feet are sideways. And I thought, no, this is only, this is only a three row SUV. If you have an emergency and you need to toss people in that third row, or you've got like little kids who are in car seats that are so little, their feet don't even dangle over the edge. Cause I think if your feet dangled off the edge of the car seat, even your toes would touch the back of the oh, second row seats. 
it's it's really yeah so we got the grand highlander coming with good cause so this is roomier like if you're looking for a three row because you just want extra room for the second row passengers and that third row in an emergency this works but if you're really looking for a usable three row this does not. Um, and it also makes the cargo area when you have the third row up, the cargo area is super, super short. It's, it's, it's not even like a trunk. It's so tiny. So I feel like the third row is just a placeholder. <laughs> Come back to this spot for the grand Highlander. Like, I just don't feel like it works for the Highlander. Um, that's my major criticism. Otherwise it is really, you know, it drives nicely. It gets, it is 243 horsepower from its little two, four liter, 2.4 liter, four cylinder. It drives fine. It has plenty of power to get up to highway speeds. It's not super noisy. I felt like it was a little bit more mild manner, a little quieter than when I was driving the CRV earlier. Um, it's, you know, it's a nice, comfy, I want to call it, I want to say it should just be two rows. I don't feel like I should call it a three row SUV because you can't, you can't really use that. People just want the third row. It's like if, people want the the Bronco Everglades because yeah. they might they might have to use that third row. You know, yeah. they might drive through a swamp. <laughs> you might just accidentally have you to never, drive through a swamp. You never you know when your navigation system is going to give you the wrong directions, and you, Poof, and you suddenly swamp. realize, oh. I'm in the middle of a swamp. In the middle of and a swamp. I have to pick up two happen. more friends. Suddenly oh you have to pick up gosh. two more friends who live in the swamp. <laughs> who live in the swamp. So I so like I really like this, but I just don't think I think anybody buying it who really is using that third row all the time needs to reconsider. If you're only going to do it once in a while, that's totally fine. I mean, it has like this huge center console in front. So the storage is great. It has this nice little like according it like slides back instead of like opening left or right or opening top, it like just goes boo, it's like a little door boo, and then deploys. So and it's very deep. So there's tons of cargo room. And I love it. Don't mock my noise. That's exactly what it would sound like if <laughs> it was, was Star Trek. That was a good sound. <laughs> Nobody's so, mocking. I'm so not mocking. The, I'm impressed. Okay. okay, thank you. Now then, then I'm okay with it. Um, so where you have your Qi wireless charging, which is tucked right under like the infotainment screen, there's a little spot there, and it slides right in. It's great because there's sort of like a curved edge to it, so your phone will not go shooting. If you break hard or if you take a corner hard, it stays tucked in right there. But they have another similar pod that's sort of for the passenger that's longer, it's like the size of that half of the dashboard for you to, for them to put their phone. So it's great. So if you have like little stuff you want to put there, you're not having to like jam things in the cup holder, you know, like if you want to toss your phone up there, your keys or whatever. I, I liked the little storage touches on the dashboard of this. I thought it was kind of neat. And pricing, do you know what it's priced at? Guess, 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 guess. I'm going to make you guess price and destination. Hmm. Oh, 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 uh, combined oh, oh. or each one separately? Each one. And this uh, is the top one. I had the fancy platinum. I'm going to say forty nine thousand. Oh, I'm going to say fifty six. Mm. It is not your day, Robbie. Man, it I'm is, really blowing it. It is fifty two, just about fifty two thousand again. Oh. I have a memory, so I'm rounding. What do you think the destination was? Twelve hundred. Uh, I can go twelve oh one or go one and twelve oh one. There you go. <laughs> it's still really not your day, Sam. Sam wins again. It's thirteen thirty-five. The, there you go. Yeah. So, but you can. It's that's the mind you. This is the top of the. I whole, might tell whole everybody how to beat me at this game. I know. Go with this or this, and I lose. Okay. I, I mean, I, I know the Price is Right rules. Been a long time, but I remember. I remember. remember. So fifty-two thousand starts at about forty k if you go with a lower trim level because there's more than one trim. So it's like again, you don't have to. This is twelve thousand dollar difference, but you're getting. 
a lot of amenities. You're getting a nicer interior. It's comfier. It, it just feels more upscale and it does have a pretty good upscale look to it. I have that, that saddle brown leather, I want to call it with like black accents. That always makes a car look sort of fancy to me. I think that's a really nice, elegant look for a car. So it's not an, an it's not a super cheap car, but when you think about it, it was about 40 grand for the CRV hybrid, right? You move up to a three row and it's 52. It's bigger, even if you're not using the third row, it's still, you're getting a lot more car with this one. So yeah, so that's the, that's the Toyota Highlander, which was fantastic for driving all over the place. I drove the thing all over Hill and Dale in Milwaukee um, to buy appliances and take did kids you out load the food. appliances in the back of the uh, I did not Highlander? that it's not quite that large and I'm not okay. quite that strong so they'll be delivering those next well, I mean you, you brought you brought the six foot four boyfriend along I, I know that was I, could just, I could just make like but, yeah Reza shut this into that put, car put this stuff in there put yourself to work I did make him um I did put him to work doing a few things though so yeah I did make use of the okay. fact that he was there I didn't yeah. let him get away with just like hanging out and eating free food I made him work a little bit <laughs> <laughs> Uh, excellent. New year, new credit scores. Chime makes it easier to build credit by using your own money to make on-time payments with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a qualifying direct deposit. There's no annual fee or credit check required when applying. Get started at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. Did you know you can support Wheelbearings directly? Head to Patreon.com slash Wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. All right. Well, I had the uh, Cadillac CT4 um, premium luxury all-wheel drive uh, with Super Cruise. Uh, so this is the the entry-level Cadillac sedan, the, the smaller Cadillac sedan, um, which I, I like, I, I like the size of it. Um, the back seat, you know, is, is a little on the tight side, especially mainly getting in and out. Once I'm in, you know, I can fit behind myself, um, you know, with, with adequate knee room, uh, headroom's a little tight, my head, you know, but I, I'm a long torso, but you know, so my head is just barely, uh, my hair is just, or what left, what's left of my hair is just barely touching the ceiling. Um, and, uh, but getting in and out of the back seat, uh, you know, I do, you do have to duck down quite a bit because the, the way it's cut down there, the opening is a little, little small. <clears throat> so, but from the front seat, from the driver's seat, I, I really enjoyed driving this car. Uh, and I've previously driven the CT4 V, um, which, you know, not the black. I mean, I've driven the Blackwing, but uh, before that, I had driven the CT4V, which has the same engine in here, which is the 2.7 liter four cylinder turbo that they originally designed for the the Silverado and Sierra. It's the base engine in those in those trucks. Um, so it's a fairly large four cylinder uh, in terms of displacement. Um, and in the V, you know, which is meant more, it's supposed to be more of a performance oriented model. I wasn't terribly impressed with it there. But in this one, you know, this is the premium lux. You know, it's it's sporty, but not you know not the sports performance model. Um, it I I felt it was a better fit in this car than than in the V. Um, and they uh, the version that they put in the V 
uh, is rated at 325 horsepower. If you get it in the premium lux, which is what this one is, it's 310 horsepower, which is more than adequate. Um, the base engine in, that's available in, in the um, the CT4 is a two-liter four-cylinder turbo with 237 horsepower. So this definitely feels stronger. Um, you know, and the you know the all-wheel drive is nice. You know, if you live in cold weather environments, um, we didn't have any snow or anything while I had it, uh, but it was uh, you know definitely it felt better. The engine seemed better suited to this trim level than to a V. So it's adequate performance, but not anything that's going to get you really excited. Now, one of the things that was interesting about this one, um, the uh, I had the CT4 right on the heels of having the um the Nissan Aria and which we talked about mm. last time and you know I spent a bunch of time driving the Aria with ProPilot uh 2.0 um and I also tried that when we were in California for the, the for the first drive um and ProPilot 2.0 is their hands-free version of ProPilot um that you know on for highway driving lets you go hands-free and while ProPilot 2.0 I think, you know, if we brought back, you know, Kelly Funkhauser from Consumer Reports and, you know, had them had to retest that against uh, the other ADAS systems that they tried out a few months ago, uh, this one would probably score higher than it did before. You know, it has some of the, a lot of the benefits that you get with um, uh, with the Ford Blue Cruise stuff where, you know, it goes seamlessly between adaptive cruise control, hands-on lane centering and hands-off lane centering. Um, Super Cruise on this Cadillac does not do the hands-on lane centering. It goes from adaptive cruise to hands-off mode. Um, in the hands in the hands-off mode, this is this was way better than the uh, than ProPilot 2.0. One of the things that I noticed when I was driving the the Aria, uh, you know, I had a couple of days where I had to drive from my home in in Ypsilanti to yeah. Dearborn. Um, in the early morning, like right around the time the sun was, you know, just up above the horizon a bit, uh, you know, around, around 8 a.m. Uh, and driving on I-94 eastbound directly into the sun. And the Aria, the, the ProPilot system, you, uh, for its sensors, in addition to the five radar sensors, it's got a trifocal front camera system. So it doesn't use any side cameras as part of ProPilot. It only uses... There's a, a long range wide angle and an ultra wide angle camera in the front behind the windshield. GM for Super Cruise has a different arrangement. They have one forward facing camera and then they use two side cameras under the mirrors that are looking down and looking for where, where the lane markings are. And this is actually turns out to be a much more robust solution when you're in a lot of challenging lighting environments. Because when you're driving directly into the sun, yeah. You know, you know, you get you. If you're not wearing sunglasses, you're going to be squinting. You know, the eyes right. shining, uh, the sun shining into your eyes. The same thing is true for cameras, even more so. And with the the Aria, I kept getting when I was driving straight out the sun, I kept getting alerts coming up saying, you know, low visibility. You know, hands back on the wheel because the cameras were basically blinded by the sun. Yeah, this was not the case with the Cadillac. I tried it. You know, driving the same road the same time of day, and it just it was much more robust, you know, able to stay in, in hands-free mode and just drive right through it. Didn't, didn't care about the sun shining into the camera. Um, and it also did, I thought, a better job of keeping the car centered in the lane compared to the Nissan, which did tend to wander a little bit more. Um, so, 
I think the the hands free mode in in GM's hands free mode in Super Cruise works better than the um, than the system on the Nissan. Um, the other thing that GM has that Nissan doesn't have yet. Nissan has you know lane change assist, where basically you know it's using the the radar sensors to detect if there's anybody beside you, and if there's not, you know it may suggest a lane change, but then you have to steer and do it manually to do the lane change. The Cadillac has um, automatic overtaking capability. Um, okay, the Cadillac has automatic overtaking capability. Which um, the you know when it when the lane is beside you is clear and you know if you're if you're following somebody who's going below your set speed so if you've got your speed set at seventy and there's somebody going sixty five or sixty um, and the lane the adjacent lane is clear it will say you know gonna do an automatic lane change and you can cancel it by just tapping the turn signal stop or um, you know if if you don't do it it will just automatically change lanes for you it does it smoothly does it reliably every time you know if if there's if a car starts coming up you know um faster in the adjacent lane you know it will pull back you know it'll, it'll detect that pulls back you know into your original lane um and then waits until it's until it's got enough clearance um so i i think that the 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 way that GM has, you know, they've had enough time with Super Cruise to develop this to the point where it just works really, really well. Now, the argument that, you know, Kelly from Consumer Reports made about, you know, that lack of that in-between mode is is still a valid argument. But I think if what you, if you actually want to use hands-free mode, I think the GM system still works better than any of the others in that hands-free mode in terms of its ability to stay engaged, um, to give you alerts, for example, when it's detecting a construction zone, uh, to do those automatic lane changes without without any intervention if you don't want to. Uh, and it just it just works really well. So I I really enjoyed driving this car. Um, the um, let's see, the fuel economy, you know, is it's fine, you know, it, it's not exceptional. Um, it's rated at 21 city, 29 highway, 24 combined. Uh, I averaged uh, right around 24 over the week that I drove the car, uh, which is decent. Um, the uh, base price on the CT4 uh, for model year 2023 is 38995 um, All in with the options that, uh, that uh, this one had, uh, including the Super Cruise 2 package. Uh, which in, you know, includes Super Cruise, but also um, tap shift, manual shifting control, um, climate package, technology package, steering wheel, uh, leather wrap steering wheel, all, a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, the Bose premium sound system, the uh, built-in dash cam trigger video recorder, um, all in came to $53,230. Uh, guesses on the destination charge? I'm going to go first. Uh, I'm going with 995. 996. Robbie finally gets one. <laughs> I'm a winner. Woo-hoo, go Robbie. So, you know, if you're, if you're looking for, you know, a relatively more compact premium sedan, you know, I think that the, the CT4 is, is a really nice choice, uh, especially, you know, if you only occasionally need to carry, um, you know, extra passengers in the rear seat, 
you know, I mean, this is, you know, comparable to a three series or um, an Audi A4 or Mercedes C-Class uh, in terms of size. And, you know, it's very pleasant to drive, you know, very nice driving dynamics, um, you know, it handles Michigan roads without any issues. Uh, so I, I, I enjoyed it. Cool. All righty. Let's move on to some of the news of the week. Last week we talked about um, some, uh, some vehicles that were um, actually, you know, being revealed during the Shanghai motor show. Uh, and, uh, you know, we recorded that before the media day at the motor show when, when everything was, uh, was being revealed, but there's a, couple of other interesting things that have since been revealed. Um, one um, is a car that we're not going to get here in North America, unfortunately. Why are there um, so many of those? There's so many of those cars we're not going to get here. I know. Um, that we'll is the... Move. Let's just move. The, the M- yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's all move to China, right? Well, yeah. maybe not China. <laughs> maybe, not, maybe not China. Okay, let's rethink this. Although, although this, one, this one, you probably will, I think you'll be able to get in Europe. Yeah, it's in it's in the UK. Um, yeah, so this is the MG Cyberster, which is a little bit of an odd name. You know, I think it's a portmanteau of cyber and and roadster. Um, roadster. Yeah, um, it's 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 an electric two seat convertible. Um, it's a little bigger than a Miata. Uh, you know, certainly bigger than the you know classic MG Roadsters. Um, but uh, what do you think of this thing? I think it looks really cute. I don't it like looks the name. fantastic. It, it's absolutely gorgeous, but cyber stir makes me think of like cyber, something to stir your coffee. Yeah, it does sound like a <laughs> like, cyber stir. Like a little robot coffee stir. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, just stirring. But it looks, stir. it looks absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it's a fantastic design. Look at that butt. The rear of that. That whole car looks gorgeous. I'm scrolling through the pictures. Good gravy. That's a sexy looking car. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, we might just have to move to the UK to, uh, to get one of these. That I do. Um, Maybe not China might be a step too far. The UK. Wait, okay. If I move to the Republic of Ireland, I could buy this in Belfast and then drive back down to the Republic. I don't want to live in the UK either. <laughs> okay, Robbie, you well, know, there's only do, so many countries we, we, know we can it, pick here. Do we know it won't be sold in, uh, in Ireland? It just says UK. So, well, I mean, you know, this is from auto car, which is, you know, they're, yeah, they're UK publication. They might just be responding to their yeah, like, we, yeah, the, like it yeah. might mean that might not mean it excludes Ireland. Cyberster. Yeah. <laughs> See, is he thinking of a fast little stirring thing? It's really good. Europe. Okay, I can go anywhere in Europe. All right. Europe, so, there you go. Okay. So you're all good. Yeah. No worries. To. So you know, I mean, obviously, you know, this is you know, being electric, it's quite a bit heavier, you know, than a classic MG. Uh, you know, it's this is about the same size as a Porsche Boxster. Um, the uh, entry level model with 309 horsepower from a single motor, um, and uh, the dual motor version has 536 horsepower um, and weighs up to uh, nine in its heaviest form 1985 kilos, which is about 4,200 pounds. So it's it's kind of hefty. Um, yeah, <laughs> batteries, man. <laughs> Batteries, yeah, yeah. Bat- batteries weigh a bunch, uh, but I think it, I think it would be worth it. I, you know what? If they did some good, uh, all you really, you know, I don't need a fancy infotainment. Hey, hey, MG, no one cares about fancy entertainment systems anymore. No just one does. Stop. Just stop it. Um, just do all that money you would spend on hiring people to to make sure that I don't know some stupid 
uh, feature in your infotainment system that no one will ever use work. No one uses. Uh, spend that money on some chassis, uh, some chassis folks. And uh, there you go. It doesn't need to be like crazy. It doesn't need to be, you know, we know it's not going to be as, as, as nimble as the Miata. Just make it like 60%, 70% yeah. there. It'll be I so feel 60. If you can just get 60% of what Miata 60, has. Yeah, 60%. I would, and you got yourself a, a winner. Win. Yep, you know, I would call just, it a win. Just cruising around. Not yeah. in the UK because it's cold and overdrive. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just turn up the heater. Right? Although it's an EV, though, I used to do, that's going to kill used, your range. So uh, maybe not. Does it have a heat pump? Uh, it doesn't say. Throw a heat pump in there. You know, yeah. just moved it. Just moved to Italy or, or but, Portugal. Yeah. <laughs> so is exactly. that where we need to be going? Would Italy be an acceptable move, place move, for us to relocate, Robbie? Yeah, move 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 to yeah. a peninsula on the southern part of the uh, hmm. the European continent. You know, really? either the Iberian Peninsula or or Italy or yeah, maybe Greece. Ooh. If you like crazy driving, Greece. Oh, <laughs> man, that's they don't they don't have laws. They have like suggestions. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, next up, um, speaking of uh, another vehicle that was um, shown in multiple locations, they you know they did a, a global rollout, but really Shanghai was the uh, was the highlight of this. You know that's that's what they're really focusing on was the Volkswagen ID Seven. Which uh, we saw um, in January in camouflaged form at CES, uh, with this you know kind of QR code color changing uh, camo surface on it. Uh, mm-hmm. But now they've they've shown it in um, uh, in complete you know un 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 uh, molested form. Um, and I was listening to uh, uh, Fast Women the other day, uh, and um, why am I blanking on her name? Eileen, uh, Eileen, Eileen <laughs> somewhat less than enthused about the the design of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you, what do you think of the ID seven? I I don't hate the ID seven. I just feel wow, like that's a glowing endorsement. Well, no. See, here's the thing. Like I I know Eileen really didn't like it. I didn't feel as strongly don't like it. But I think that it's it just doesn't have. Does it have a super amount of personality to you? Do you look at it and go like, whoa, whoa, Volkswagen, cool car. Well, I mean, the ID4 doesn't have a lot of personality. They, all the personality they put asked. into the ID Buzz. Yes, that's and that's exactly what all I did. I'm like, the ID Buzz is like one of those, have... like, right? This looks great. It looks fine. I have no issues with it, but it's just not a particularly, like, wowza kind of yeah, I don't know yeah. if it looks more wowza in person because I didn't see it in person. I don't know. Maybe it looks better when you, I don't know. I'm trying to give it some, cut it some slack. If the Onyx 6 is too crazy for you. The Onyx 6 is too oh, old. Okay. Oh, okay. That's just too kind much. Of bring it back too a many couple pixels. of notches. Ah. <laughs> too much. Then you get the ID7. That's okay. I think that's I th- think that's where where it sits. It sits. It's it's the more mild mannered. It's like yeah. I I don't want everybody to know I'm driving a fancy pants electric situation. I don't want anyone to know. I don't want it to look like new and of the future. I just want it to look like nice and of today. Let's just say without driving it, it's better than the Passat. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, it definitely has more okay. character yes. than a Passat. Yes, and, more character than a Passat. Done. Give you that. No, and it's got that big rear hatch, which is great. You know, to load stuff in the back there. You can yep. drop the rear seats down. You can have you know tons of cargo space back there. It's not like trying to fit everything through the mail slot trunk of a modern sedan. Yeah. No, it's yeah, it's fine. Yeah, and you know, it's it's it's. It's built on an upgraded version of the MEB platform. There's you know a bunch of a bunch of updates to this, you know, make it more efficient. Um, and unlike the MG Cyberster, 
this is going to be offered in North America. We're going to get this here next year. Take um, that, Cyberster. Yeah, that, yeah. It launches in China, I think, uh, late this year, early 24. Um, and then it'll be offered in Europe and North America uh, in the second half of 2024. Uh, so if, if like me, you still prefer cars to crossovers, um, you know, Volkswagen's going to have something for you. I mean, this is, I think, going to be at the, the top end of their range. So it's not going to be, you know, probably, it's not, this is not going to be competing with a Honda Accord in terms of price. Did we see interior pictures of this? Yeah, yeah. Scrolling yeah. down, am I missing it? I'm not yeah, looking at the right. Oh, there we go. I was like not scrolling. My my yeah. my computer was not loading properly. They still okay. have the weird touch controls underneath oh, the yeah. system, which I'm like, but it's but it's a bigger display than what you get in the ID four. Um, I like the little but, ID perforated design there on the seats. Mm-hmm. That's kind of slick. Yeah. I mean, it looks the interior looks uh, good. Oh no. I think the interior. What? No. But, why? There's only two uh, buttons for the windows. Is there really? I didn't, I didn't see that. Where are you? Scroll, what? Uh, if you look at uh, one of the photos with the interior. Only two buttons for the window. Of, Wait, the, this of one. the steering wheel. And you download it and you make it big and you embiggen it. Oh. I am big in it. Volkswagen, what are you doing? Come on. Everyone just made fun of that for the last uh, couple of years. And they did it again. You're not saving any money on this, you know that, right? Oh, folks! <laughs> right, well, there's that. So, okay, I was trying to give him points because I actually the interior looks sort of clean, and I like the big infotainment screen looks kind of good, and it uh, and I. Lasai. You drove the uh, the ID Buzz in Europe, Robbie. Does I it did. have Does it have multiple uh, window so, switches? It didn't. Okay, so I had the short wheelbase, so it didn't have windows in the back. Ah, okay. So it does have windows you can roll down in the back. Um, or at least that version of the vehicle didn't have it. Um, so I just figured I'm like, well, everyone made, everyone gave them enough, you know, everyone got on their case about it, so they they can't possibly put it on, you know, another car. But I'm or... I'm assuming that it's going to be on the ID Buzz as well, because if they put it on the ID Seven, and the ID Buzz is supposed to be you know the long wheelbase version will be announced or shown off later this year this summer um yeah ah, bummer womp womp wompity womp maybe we'll just no get used happening. to it maybe because I'm, I'm definitely putting a, a a deposit down on the id buzz so are you really you're gonna get an id buzz yeah i think we're just we're just gonna go for it i feel like because by the time very... we get our our kona lease will be up so i think the id buzz looks really cool yeah, I'm curious how many people I'm curious, you know, there's such like enthusiasm for it just in general. Everyone's like, woo, the, you know, the, the van is back. I wonder how much that's going to translate into people actually buying it. You know what yeah. I mean? Sometimes is it going to be a, like a snakes on the plane situation where everyone was really excited about that movie and then no one went to see it? Right, exactly. Because <laughs> everyone like, yeah, they brought it back. We sold two. Wait a minute. What happened? We here? sold like, one to Robbie. Yeah, yeah. Robbie bought one. I, love he, it. I think it's really he, cool. He immediately asked us to to to, to add two more switches to it. <laughs> We could only sell it to him if we agreed to modify the switches. So we did. Yes. <laughs> so um, uh, one, one last detail about the ID seven um, in, uh, in Europe uh, it's projected to get a range of 435 miles on the WLTP cycle, uh, which should work out to somewhere between 320, 330, probably on the EPA cycle, maybe a little bit more might, might get as much as 350. Um, so pretty good range on this thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, it looks, I mean, it's got the range. It's got the, the sedan. 
look. I mean, it's it's definitely. I mean, everyone's like, oh, we shouldn't make sedans anymore. And meanwhile, Tesla is just selling a ton of sedans. Um, <laughs> so I think there. I think there is a. I, I'm not going to say a backlash. I think some people are just like, you know what? I kind of want a sedan. I kind of don't need to be sitting this high and sort of realizing they can get a little bit more range if they just get a a sedan out of their their EV. The whole idea that sedans are entirely dead is. Isn't it's not. really weird because the Accord sells really well. The well, camera like, people are like, oh, sedans are dead. They're all well, yeah, but other Hyundai things are Sonata. coming in and they're really being introduced like crazy. But that doesn't mean they're not selling. Right, and sedans. that's why like, that's why VW is going to bring the ID7 to the U.S. Yep, I think it's good that they're bringing it. I'm just curious. Meanwhile, if, Ford only has the Mustang. Yeah, I mean, if you went all in that way, like you're in trouble if, <laughs> if the public changes its mind. Yeah, that's because now you're caught like trying to to to. Well, it, but yeah. To go I mean, backwards they, and create yeah. something. It's like, well, wait, we made our well, plan and our plan it, didn't you know, include this. To, to you know? be fair, Ford Ford does have sedans still in other markets. Uh yeah. you know, they've That's got the just... they've got a new Mondeo and a Lincoln Zephyr <laughs> in, in China, um, and a focus and, and stuff like that. So I think Ford's doing okay. They got the F one fifty. Yeah, I'm not worried that they're gonna go and out of everything else. Let, let yeah. me rephrase that. It's just like yeah. it would be a stinker, you but they'll want, be fine. <laughs> you don't want to be caught flat footed, but they got they can spin some up and ship them over if they need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, one one last one from Shanghai, um, and because I, I put this in because I know that Nicole, you are such a fan of the Lexus Spindle Grill. Uh, you know, it is is your favorite design cue. Um, I think this is the ultimate interpretation of the Lexus Spindle Grill. Oh my God, my eyes <laughs> are the, bleeding oh on the Lexus LM. My eye, what is happening there? Who thinks that that is anything that any car should ever? Have? What? What is happening? You know, it looks like it looks a little like Bane from Batman. <laughs> a little. Yeah, with his own. Oh, his own. I'm here to save you from the upper class. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is a lot of grill. No. No. <laughs> look at the back Stop of this it, thing. You're Lexus. like, oh, this is pretty cool. Because it's, it's like a little, like a, like a fun, I haven't even gotten like luxury images. van. I'm so, I'm so horrified by the front. Then the interior look looks the, really good. The, the, look yeah, at the inside. The, the, the the executive seating this is based on the Toyota Alphard uh, Lord, minivan that's, from that's cool. from the Japanese market and this is this one's primarily targeted at the Chinese market um you know for for people that are going to be driven as opposed to those that are going to drive their vehicles so okay. this one that they showed in Shanghai um you know includes you know a, it's it's a two row you know this is a small this is actual a mini minivan uh you know so it's a two row minivan but two, you know, very luxurious seats in the back. There's a they partition. They kind of look like 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 Delta One seats. Yeah, yeah. like it's that. Makes nice. you think yeah. of the, first, the two you get the seats Ottomans here. that pop up and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, a giant screen um, in the uh, in the partition between the front seats, between the driver's compartment and and the passenger compartment. Uh, big ultra wide screen uh, display back there. Uh, so you know, if you if you want to be driven around. Um, you know, this, this might not be a bad way to do it. You know, just certainly. make sure that they pull up to get you before you walk out the door. So all you have to do is look at the side of the car. You don't want to see that coming up to meet you. You want it to it. already be there. Your driver needs to arrive and then you will exit the building. So you don't have to look at the front. So you don't have to look at the front. <laughs> Ugly grill. Come on, Lexus. That is <laughs> so, not attractive. So much grill. Mm. So much grill. Um, let's go back to sedans for a minute. Cause there's something I forgot to talk about earlier with what I, what I drove this week. Um, cause I finally got my opportunity to drive the Hyundai Ionic six. Ooh. 
Um, yeah, they did a, a regional drive program here in Michigan and got to spend a few hours with the Ionic six. Um, man, I like that car. It's good. I, I it's really a good like it. car. Yeah. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I drove both the, um, the limited, which is the, the top end version with all wheel drive and also the, um, the SE, they, they had one out of 10 vehicles. They had one SE rear wheel drive with the, the extended range battery. That's the version that will go 200 or 361 miles, uh, according to EPA, uh, on a charge. And, you know, when, when you get the, the single motor, um, version, you're stuck with a mere 225 horsepower. Uh, miles. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Unacceptable, right? Unacceptable. Um, Garbage. Whereas the, the all wheel drive version, uh, you get, um, 320 horsepower. So it's the same motors that are used in the Ionic five. It's, you know, basically the same powertrain. Um, they've done some tweaking to improve efficiency here and there. Um, the, because the vehicle is much more aerodynamic than an Ionic five. That's what partly why it gets better range. Um, but to be honest, if I was spending my money on this, I would probably go with the rear wheel drive version with the, um, uh, the single motor or you know, with the, the big battery. They also yeah. offer a, a base standard range rear wheel drive, uh, with just a 53 kilowatt hour battery. And that one is rated at about 240 miles of range. Um, but the, um, the, the SE with the extended SE rear drive with the extended range battery and the 18 inch wheels, 360 miles of range. It charges, you know, 10 to 80% in 18 minutes, like all the other EGMP platform vehicles. Um, and, you know, I, I would go with the 18s living here in Michigan um, because you get some, some extra sidewall, uh, you know, which makes it a little more um, compliant with Michigan roads, which uh, <laughs> we say are less than ideal pavement. Uh, you know, we've talked previously about the couple of tire blowouts I've had uh, in, in recent months uh, on, on our roads here. Um, so the 18s would definitely be a little more resilient to our roads here. And if you live somewhere like say New York state uh, or, you know, a few other places that have um, barely functional roads, um, I, I would definitely recommend that, um, you know, the, the limited on, but even the limited on the 20 inch wheels, um, you know, which look great. Uh, it's still surprisingly compliant. Uh, it, it's got really good ride quality, uh, better than the Ionic five, I think. Um, and yeah. so you know, this, this is a car I could definitely live with. I thought uh, there was such a dramatic difference between the five and the six. Like they improved on it so much. Yeah. I was a little surprised because it's not like, you know, many, many years have gone by and we've, you know, come up with iterations of this in between. It's like, well, you just went from five to six and it got markedly better. It's crazy. It's a, <laughs> it's hard to, to like, yeah, if you, yeah. So uh, yeah, so the Ionic Six, uh, I agree with both of you. This is this is a fantastic car, and if you are not one of those sheep that uh, insists on driving a crossover, um, you know, <laughs> even even if it's not really a crossover, uh, you know, or, you know, certainly not an SUV, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just something that is, you know, a hatchback with maybe a slightly taller roof, um, you really need to consider this vehicle. Now, if you have you know kids that are six foot three. You might want to maybe go with the Ionic Five instead um, for the you know for the rear seat, uh, extra headroom. But uh, you know with this one, you know certainly in the front seat you got lots of room. There's lots of legroom in the back, 
uh, you know, the sloping roof line, you know, is going to cut off headroom a little bit, you know, compared to the, the five. Uh, but overall, this, this is a fantastic car. I really liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. I that was like the cars are driven recently. It's like, oh, that's at the top of my list. It's like just that good. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 bonkers how nice that car is. And you know, it start the SE starts at forty five five. Um, the SE rear drive with the extended range battery, I think, goes for about forty seven. Um, now, unfortunately, there you can't get the tax credits directly on this one because. For now, at least, these are still assembled in Korea. Yeah. Um, but Hyundai has announced that uh, for leasing, if you lease one of these, they are doing a pass through on the tax credits uh, for the for the lease. So you can get the the effect of the ta- the lower monthly pricing or <clears throat> monthly payments um, if you do a lease on one of these. Uh, so you do get that benefit. Um, all right. Uh, one other thing related to Hyundai. Um, they, um, they started a pilot program in, um, Brooklyn with a company called it's electric, um, for some public charging infrastructure and it's electric, it's electric has got an interesting approach to this problem. Uh, cause you know, this something we've talked about before is with, um, <clears throat> with EVs, you know, as we go forward and, you know, EVs start to get into the, um, the used car market or, you know, people in places where you don't necessarily have a driveway for off street parking. Um, you know, the people are going to be more reliant on public charging infrastructure and curbside charging, you know, would be really handy in a lot of places, especially places like say Brooklyn uh, or, you know, or, or a lot of other cities. And the, the problem though is with traditional chargers, you know, the, the charging cable is permanently connected to the charger itself. Um, and if you've got a charger that's mounted on the curb, uh, you know, there's a decent chance that, you know, somebody's going to unplug and, you know, they're not going to hang it back up properly. It's going to be dangling. It's going to be sitting on the ground. It's going to get run over or somebody's going to trip over it, you know, and drive going down the sidewalk. Um, and so um, what it's electric has come up with is an interesting solution uh, and I think there's there's a couple of companies in Europe doing some something along these lines. In well. Norway, like everywhere you go, these types of chargers, it's bringing yeah. cable. Everyone has their own. Like they pull up, they open their trunk, they grab their yeah. cable off, they plug yeah. it into the charger, they plug it into their car. It's right. completely so, different. There's a whole different attitude. Yeah. yeah. So the driver, you get your own cable. Um, when you sign up with It's Electric, they give you a cable um, and you plug it into the charging pedestal. So there's just a pedestal there on the curb. Uh, and you, and you plug it into your car and you, you charge. And the other thing is to get power for these things, um, they're doing, it's electric has a deal, uh, where they're going to work with, uh, property owners with homeowners and businesses, um, where they, um, you're using the power, using their power from their, uh, their location. So they're providing the electricity. And when, if you sign up, what they do is they come out check out your your location see if it you know if it's viable to install there and then they will take care of the installation of the charger they'll cut a uh, trench a groove through the sidewalk uh, run the power lines into your building um, hook up to your uh, electrical panel they'll they'll take care of everything so there's no upfront cost for the property owner um they and then you know once it's up and running when people use it the property owner gets paid for the electricity gets used plus some 
margin on top of that. So you can you can make some money on this by providing electricity for these chargers. So I think it's a really interesting solution. What do you think? Like if you have a if you have oh, a ahead. building and you have <clears throat> like let's say your building it takes up like eight parking spaces, it's on a corner. That's eight incomes. That's eight additional pieces of income that's coming in. I yeah. think it's a great idea. I think it's something that could really work because it, there is a limited amount of you know, there's a limited amount of charging when you're just in a city with a sidewalk. You know, it's not like when you're at a rest stop or you're someplace where there's a you know a giant parking lot. If you've got cities with sidewalks, you're really limited. This would make things much more make it much more usable, much more friendly for EV drivers. Yeah, my my only concern with it is the business model from uh its electrics perspective. Whether, you know, I mean there, there's gonna be a pretty substantial upfront cost for them, you know, installing these things. And you know how much are they going to have to charge for electricity for this for this to be profitable for them? And you know then at that point, you know, did, how much money are EV owners actually going to save doing this? So it's it's not quite clear how that's going to play out. Yeah, but that will. We'll I mean, that'll play into. It, but I feel like if you're you know if you're just in a situation though where you need charging, there's a point where you're not balking at that little extra cost of the electricity itself. You know, if it makes it easier for you to get through your day, you might be worth it. So a quick Google search, like um, in New York in 2022, in December yes. 2020, the average house cost was 23.1 cents per kilowatt hour, which is less than what you're paying if you go to Electrify America station. It's like 36 But, but this is going to be level two charging. <clears throat> it's not going to be DC fast charging. Yeah, but you're still, even if you're charging, you know, if you're charging 30 cents an hour and you split that yeah. between two people or even 36 cents an hour, it's still, you know, it's, it, you're still making money. But there's yeah. a possibility though, Sam, you're right. It, depending on how this works out for them in terms of how many people utilize it and how expensive it actually is for them to get this system in place, all the best intentions might go out the window if suddenly they have to charge way too, like, okay, if it becomes prohibitive to the point where people who start to know the area say, well, let's not go there unless we have to. Let's go yeah. with these other guys. You know, you'll start to pick and choose like you do with a gas station. It's five cents cheaper over on the corner. Let's go around the corner. You know? Yeah. I think what's going to happen though is it's going to be like where, you know, Electrify America is like, well, I need a charge. If you have a house and you're like, uh, I don't feel it. You know, I kind of need it now. <clears throat> do you want to go sit at Electrify America for a few hours or do you want to, you know, do you want to just pull out in front of your house and pay pretty much the same amount? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, if, if it's, if it's close to your house, um, you know, then, you know, and even if it's right in front of your house, you know, if you're using a charger from your, your own, using, using your own electricity for this, you know, yeah. the, at least the part of the, the profit margin, that's you know, the markup on the electricity rate, you know, is going to be coming back to you, you know, plus you're, then you're just going to be paying, a, you know, whatever amount that it's electric is the taking. base rate. Right. And, and you don't have to pay for that infrastructure installation. And then when you're not using it, when you're not there, somebody else can be using it. Oh, yeah, that's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, yeah that could work out. But like I said, that, my, my main concern is just, you know, whether there's going to be They'll enough, enough margin in there for its electric to actually become profitable to survive after yeah. they cover their, you know, the costs of, you know, the hardware installation. Are they, are they, well, it doesn't say, I was going to say that they doing like where you can get like four, pay $4, get, you know, a month, get paid, you know, pay a little less. But uh, Yeah. They're, they're not, you know, right now this is still their first pilot program. Uh, so it's, it's a little unclear, you know, how that's going to play out. 
Uh, I think there, there's when I reached out to them, you know, they're still working on that, you know, working out the details on kind of what the what the pricing is going to be. Even if if they charge fifty cents and the gas is five dollars a gallon, there's you still it's still cheaper than gas. It's still cheaper than gas. Oh yeah, it's going to be cheaper than gas, but. Yeah. Is it the cheapest electricity you can buy, though? You know, that's the thing. That's, that's what we're going to be challenge. doing in the, in the futures using those apps. Like, where's the cheapest gas? Where's the where's cheapest the, one? Yeah. Where's yeah. my cheapest electricities? All right. Um, let's see. Uh, last thing is the clean vehicle credits for EVs. Um, last week, um, after I think after we recorded uh, a couple a day or two after we recorded um, EPA published the list, the updated list of the vehicles that would be eligible for tax credits based on the submissions from automakers um, with, uh, you know, with the, you know, accounting for where the the value and the batteries was coming from. And the uh, list of vehicles that were eligible for tax credits got considerably shorter. Um, although it did grow by uh, by one vehicle uh, the day after they published the original list, uh, because it um, uh, turns out uh, that VW had not gotten their information into the Treasury Department in time. Uh, and so the original list did not include the, um, the VW ID4, which is now built in Tennessee uh, and um, has a battery that's sourced from SK in Georgia. Um, they're, they got their, their documentation in a day or two later, uh, EPA updated the, uh, the list, um, and it's available now include a link on, in the show notes, but you can see the list of all the vehicles and what tax credits are, are, they're eligible for, uh, GM, um, <clears throat> did well on this. They've got a whole bunch of vehicles that are eligible for $7,500 tax credit, assuming you can actually get these vehicles. Right. Um, like they got a, they got a lyric. Um, <laughs> Good luck. Some aren't in production yet, like the Chevy Blazer and the Equinox EVs and the Silverado. Uh, but the the Bolt and the Bolt EUV, both eligible for the full 7,500 as well as the Lyric. Um, there's a uh, the Chrysler Pacifica plug-in hybrid, also mm-hmm. available for 7,500 off. Um, Ford uh, currently... Uh, you know, they've got a few that, that uh, like the E-Transit and the Mach-E that are eligible for $3,750. The Lightnings right now um, are eligible for $7,500 as long as you get it for under $80,000 sticker price. Um, and the, there's there's only a couple of Lightning variants that actually fall under that price tag at this point. Yeah. You're limited in what and, actually applies. And and the pro, you know, the, the work truck version uh is one of those. But the the standard range uh lightnings, which currently are eligible, um, those are gonna be getting a CATL battery uh early next year, uh, as is the 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 standard range Mach E. Um, and those will no longer be eligible once they start using that Chinese made battery. Um, so uh, I'll include the full list. Same, you know, similar things here with Rivian, you know, Rivian R1S and R1T, they're eligible for 3750. Um, but again, it's only if you can get them for under $80,000 and there's only a couple of variants. Uh, so basically you've got to take a base model with almost no options on it to get it under 80 grand. Um, and most of those aren't actually even available. They're not in production yet, like the, the dual motor versions. Like I wonder, uh, looking at this list, how many of these cars can you actually get right now? 
Like, is it half of them? The ID4, the Bolt, (laughs) the Teslas, um, Mach-E. You can get the the Lincoln uh, Aviator and Corsair Grand Touring, the plug-in hybrids. Okay, so there's a chunk that you can get. The Wrangler and and the Cherokee plug-in hybrids. You can get those. Yeah. Can you really get them? Are they out there in any volume? The Jeeps are. Um, The Jeeps are. The Fords are available. Are they? Um, Yeah. Uh, I was actually talking to a neighbor um the other day that uh is looking to uh he's trading in a couple of vehicles uh for his wife and his mother-in-law um and he was at a cadillac dealership uh last week and said they had two lyrics in the showroom um what really yeah those were already spoken for they had customers that were they were waiting waiting for pickup but yeah they actually had two lyrics there um and um and then uh, let's see the Lincolns you can you can certainly get, um, but probably the probably the best bet's going to be the uh, the Bolt and the ID four as far as getting tax credits. Actually, on those. getting one, yeah, yeah. So, all right. Um, so last uh, last couple things um, we had uh, an email from Bruce Ginsburg, um, and I think I'm actually going to hold off on answering this. This actually has to do with the lyric. Bruce had ordered uh, a lyric and he's getting a little frustrated. And I reached out to, uh, to Cadillac to find out what's going on. I passed along the question. And as we've been recording, I actually got an email back from, from somebody from Mike Albano. uh, And he said, tomorrow, as we're recording this on on Monday, tomorrow is GM's uh, Q1 earnings call. And they will have a lyric production update during that call. So he said, you know, if we can hold off. So uh, we'll come back to Bruce's question next week, okay. uh, hopefully with a a, a a good answer for him. Uh, but uh, um, that's Sorry, it Bruce. questions uh, for this week. Uh, I did get a chance to go over to uh, Maserati's North American headquarters in Auburn Hills last week, uh, which was formerly the home of the Chrysler Museum. Um, which is too bad that's gone because that was that was that was a nice place. I like the the collection they had there. But uh, anyway, I had a chance to uh, sit down with Bill Peffer, who is the head of Maserati Americas. Uh, chatted with him for uh, for about twenty five minutes uh, about what Maserati's doing. Um, you know how what where the brand is. You know the progress they've made in the last few years uh, and where they're going. And uh, some good information about uh, what's coming up with uh, their first two electric models launching later this year, the uh, Gran Turismo Fulgari uh, and the um, uh, Grical uh, Fulgari, uh, which is the name they're, they're using for their EVs. Um, they uh, uh, talked about the how, how the battery and everything's configured in the Gran Turismo, uh, some interesting stuff there. Uh, so have a listen to that after we say goodbye. Uh, and I think you'll get some interesting stuff out of that. And next week I will have... Uh, some thoughts on actually driving the uh, Maserati Grical, uh, which uh, You're so fancy, Sam. I know, fancy I'm Sam. A fancy, fancy Sam. Yeah, That's what I call you, fancy Sam. <laughs> yeah, but you you guys get to drive Mercedes, and I can't get my hands on a Mercedes. So, oh, sorry. Well, sorry. I right. drove an Everglades, <laughs> which is not fancy. Well, fancy, but in a totally different way. <laughs> Uh, All right. So that's it for this week. Uh, The Bill Peffer interview is coming up right after this. So stay tuned and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. All right. Uh, Bill, so you've been uh, head of Maserati North America for a couple of years now. Um, I guess first, 
what what are your overall thoughts on the brand and kind of where it is today and, and where you want to see it going uh, in the coming years? Well, I, I, so yeah, I've been uh, head of Maserati Americas now for about two and a half years. And we have made a pretty dramatic transformation, stabilizing the company first and preparing the company for the all new portfolio of products which are arriving in the showrooms now. So we have an all new showroom and that's pretty exciting. Of course, the momentum we have, we have high expectations for and we want to continue to grow, but we want to grow um, not by the sole KPI of volume. We want to grow with how the brand is perceived and how we um, live up to the luxury aspect of what Maserati stands for. So, you know, Maserati, you know, obviously the brand that's been around for a long time. 109 uh, years. For, for many years, particularly here in North America, it didn't exactly have the most sterling reputation. And, you know, do you, do you feel like, you, know, you, you mentioned, you know, the brand is stabilizing. Do you feel like it has, um, like you've gotten it to a good place, you know, do, to, to the degree that today there's even much awareness among people of Maserati in North America, you know, how, how do you see, how do the, how do, how does the, how does the consumer feel about the Maserati brand today? Well, look, we're a 109 year old brand. Yeah. Um, our efforts in the area of customer experience have yielded the highest net promoter scores last year in the sales and after sales side than this brand's ever seen in the U.S. Uh, we have a lot of momentum right now. Um, we're on a journey. I don't think the transformation is complete. We are a, a, you know, we're a luxury brand. We are not for everyone. And we operate on three pillars. Three, the three pillars that Maserati operate on are performance, um, are the um, uh, craftsmanship and Italian design that people appreciate who, who pursue our products. And finally, there's an exclusivity element. It's not on every street corner. And I think that's important. Uh, so that, that does um, provide some challenges to make sure that you're top of mind um, when people are considering a product. We're not in every segment. The products that we have brought out and the ones you saw out there uh, particularly the Gercale, operate in a huge segment, provide huge opportunity. One in three cars in the luxury space is sold within that D-segment SUV. So in our transformation, we've moved from what had traditionally in the modern era been a sedan-based company to one now that is um, focused on SUVs and supercars. The second SUV, the Gercale, and I think I've said this before, is... is, is um, it, it unlocks our, uh, well, it, 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 it adds our, it, it, it helps us pursue um, Maserati as a purveyor of luxury performance SUVs. We're not, in the past, we've not been associated, we've not been known for SUVs. We've been known for performance cars, Grand Tours. Uh, at the same time, we have introduced Halo and then returned Icon products like the MC20 last year, which is a technical tour de force. What it does, the technology from that car, style design elements of that car have made the way in the rest of the lineup. And then of course this year we brought back 
the Gran Turismo, which has lived in the Maserati brand in some form or iteration since 1947. So we're, we're celebrating actually the 75th anniversary of the Gran Turismo. Um, and, and we like to think of all of our vehicles as, as, as uh, Gran Turismo. If you want a car, you know, that is at the pinnacle of performance, two-seat, that's the MC20. If you want a car that, you know, provides comfort uh, for long, you know, long, long rides um, for four adults, that's the Gran Turismo. If you want uh, a Grand Tour that provides a little more versatility, right, and a different driving position, that's the Gracale. And the commonality of those vehicles, all the technology, right, the Natuno engine, the infotainment, the, um, the styling cues, all play off of each other and really provide a different showroom from what we were. I mean, we went to a dealer meeting. Uh, we had a dealer meeting with our network partners in North America and Latin America, 138 retailers that we have between Canada, U.S., and Latin America. And it was a pretty powerful moment because we had on the screen, hey, this is what we were selling, the three vehicles, the core models, 12 months ago. Now look at what we're selling, and boom, all, in a whole new lineup. And that's, that's rare. Most brands don't go through that at the same pace that we've gone through. They don't go through, especially our size. They don't, they don't right. do that. Especially for, yeah, very much a more niche brand. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, so what, what are the things, you know, you, you obviously made a lot of progress. What are the things that you still feel like you, that Maserati needs to do to continue along this path, uh, you know, and, and grow, become a stronger brand? I think that our, our strength, our continued strength, is embedded in our consistency and our approach to the market. Right? We sell our product through a network of dealers. The network dealer, the network is our partner. Right? They are our partner, and so. Um, looking, striving for opportunities to capitalize on this new showroom that provides a good return on investment for us and for our network. And if we get that, then the network will make more investment in the brand, right? It just, it's, it's a virtuous circle. Um, if, 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 we, if, we, if we don't get that, then it's a difficult proposition. Uh, most of our stores, because of our size, right now are dueled with other brands. Most of our partners have other brands. And they're business people, right? They're going to make investments where they get the best return. So our job is to make sure that we uh, continually lay out a proposition that provides a good return for them. That, that's, that's the name. And then we get the investment from them. When, uh, you know, for the, the dealers that are um, dueled with, with other brands, yeah. uh, presumably it's not, or I guess, is it, is it other Stellantis brands or brands from competitors? Both, yeah. both. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, it's 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 a it's a suite of different brands that that you know maybe we are uh, in, in in several locations uh, tied with Alfa Romeo mm -hmm. in the same show, Ferrari. Um, they have been part of the portfolio in the past. I mean, but also some competitive brands as well that are outside the Stellantis portfolio. So you, you mentioned, you know, with the, the new vehicles, the new Natuno engine, uh, you know, which you know, has been getting some, some very good uh, feedback. Um, do you see that, you know, is that likely to be the last new internal combustion engine in a Maserati? Or, you know, do you, will you continue to maybe develop other engines or, or at least other variants of that? 
Well, we are developing other variants of it, right? We have, as a, we, we've demonstrated that as we brought the new products out in the showroom. We have variants like in the GT that start around, you know, high force, 483, I think, horsepower to start off in the Modena. And then we just introduced uh, and sold out very quickly of a very exclusive P24 variant of the MC20. And that car has a Natuno tuned engine that, that's north of 700 horsepower. So very flexible powertrain. I would say that we are among the few OEMs making dual investments. A lot of other OEMs have said, hey, we're going to go one way or another way. And, and they, they, they have stopped that. For, we're unique in that, especially for our size, we've made investments in internal combustion with the Natuno engine that is the first engine that was developed exclusively by and for Maserati. And we're also making big investments in electrification. Right, This new showroom of Gran Turismo, Gracale, and MC20, we've committed to uh, battery electric, full battery electric, not hybrid versions. We have a model hybrid version of the, the Kali with the four-cylinder and the GT and the Modena. But we've made commitments, and, and those cars are, are here. They're not years off. 90 days behind the launch of the Gran Turismo in the spring will be the full battery electric version. And it's it's not a... Uh, what's interesting is... What's amazing is, is that the platforms for these vehicles have been developed so they can accept varying powertrains. In the case of the Gran Turismo, they package the batteries in a T format to allow for a better balance, better weight distribution. You sit around the battery as opposed to on top of the battery, like some of our competitors. And so it was designed from inception to accept this. And it really provides, you know, the ride height is indistinguishable from a gas-powered car. It's, I think, three millimeters higher. The car is, like, 53 inches tall. You can't tell, right, between it. But, but that's amazing to me is two very distinct power sources. And I think that's important because we've reached a tipping point. The investments made by the industry in electrification are, are material and moving in a direction of, you know, one way. So the fact that we're there and we can arbitrage a bit and see where the adoption rate is uh, and do that um, even despite our size, our relatively small size, it, it is a benefit of being part of a 14 you know, brand company called Stellantis, right? where we sit at, at a certain place as the only global luxury brand within that portfolio, truly global luxury. We do business, we sell cars and, you know, homologate cars in 77 different countries. And um, they are not regionally designed and, and, and produced product. They're all built in Italy and they're all built for all of those markets. The strength of the brand allows us to do that. So uh, you mentioned that in years past, I mean, the perception of customers may be, have been um, not where we wanted it. And, and I think that that's that's fair, but I would say also that this brand is 109 years old, and I've never been somewhere uh, where I mentioned Maserati and there's not a positive affinity. I think we have a story to tell, right? Because people who think they know Maserati uh, don't necessarily because of all the changes we've made, right? Prior to this product transformation, which we have prepared for and now in the middle of, it had been several years. Uh, between the launch of Levante and, and today, where there were all new products that were you know delivered to the brand, so investments were made uh, years ago, and and um, now we we are, we're the beneficiary of those investments, um, moving where the market is, moving where the you know the industry is moving in the U.S. 
it's, it's interesting to me that initially the mass market was moving aggressively to SUV and now is 80% SUV. The luxury space has also followed that. So the fact that we were able to shift with the product we had and then amplify that with a second product um, has helped us grow. Has helped us grow, you know, generate more revenue, more profitability for us and for our dealers. One of, you know, driving high performance Italian cars, yep. one of the uh, the great things about it is the, the visceral experience of the sound, especially of the engines. You know, you drive something like a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or the Alfa Giulia Quadrifoglio or the, the, the Gran Turismo. Yep. You know, the, I remember you know, driving the previous generation Gran Turismo and the sound of that V8 engine was just magnificent. What's been the reaction of Maserati customers to the shift towards electrification? And you know, now all of a sudden a major component of that driving experience kind of goes away. Well, we have, so we're bringing out our first electric vehicle in the Gran Turismo. So they're not into the marketplace yet. Um, for the people who want that sound, there's a gas version. But I would also ask you to drive the Folgori version and then give an opinion of that because there, there's, there, you'd be surprised. I was surprised when I drove it with the overall experience on how they were able to maintain that aspect, that, that, that USP of what a Maserati stands for, the exhaust note, the audacity, the performance element. Um, the Folgori version of the GT has a zero to 60 time of 2.6 seconds. I mean, it sits at the pinnacle of our performance of, of, of any GT, um, of, of, any, of any vehicle right now that we, we have out in the marketplace. It, it bests the MC20 in the Folgori version. Um, and there's an electric version of that coming. But I think, again, the investment in two technologies allows you to kind of, you know, hedge and play both sides, right? What's interesting to me is the, 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 the industry, when we look at our segments we compete in, in the segments that we are going to compete in, there's growth, but the growth is exclusively coming from the electric component, right? So last year we grew our, mar we grew our addressable market share. And when I say addressable market share, we took out the electrics, the full battery electrics that were in those segments because we don't have a, a product to compete yet. When we take out the battery electrics and we look just at the gas-powered engines in the segments we competed, we grew share. But those, though, that, that, the size of those segments were down about 10%. The growth all came from the electrification side. So somebody out there must be, you know, appreciative of, of uh, I mean, they are. I mean, they're demonstrating with their dollars and that, that, that's the growth, right? And it's yeah. coming from a lot of very good competition, right? So, I, I you know, I, I think the customers are voting with with their dollars and where they're going to put them. Okay. Uh, on the ICE side, yep. uh, you know, some other uh, European premium brands uh, have been talking a lot about e-fuels, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, synthetic uh, fuels that could be potential drop-in replacements for, for uh, fossil fuel petroleum. Do you, does, you know, does Stellantis or Maserati see that as something that is likely to be a, a significant part of the the market going forward? You know, I, I, I don't know. I, and and I, I can't, we can't comment on that. I, I'm not privy to 
looking at a long-range product plan and saying, you know, what's the compulsion source? I know other brands have looked at that or are looking at that. Um, our investment has said, our investment has been, you know, bifurcated, right? We're going to continue with a gas engine for the near term, and we're going to introduce this battery electric technology and see which one of those um, solutions, I mean, gas being gasoline, not, not, not biofuel. So I, I really, I can't provide you an opinion on it. Okay. Um, one of the, the things that helped the Maserati brand become prominent in the first place, you know, going back to its early days with motorsports. Yes. And um, in, in recent years, you know, been, you know, Maserati's been growing its presence in the, in the motorsports area again um, with the uh, uh, Formula E program yes. this year, um, the, the MC20 GT2 car. Um, how how big do you see motorsports or how important do you see motorsports being for Maserati going forward? Great question and a good segue because Maserati has is synonymous, has been synonymous with racing. It's part of our heritage going back a hundred years. Um, we recognize that. That is a way to improve our awareness, improve our our consideration. It also acts as a platform in the case of Formula E for technology that we're putting on the track and how we then translate that to the consumer, right, in, in, in our um, uh, evolution of, of, of powertrain sources. So we did get back into Formula E this year uh, in a big way. Um, in Europe, they have gotten back into GT2. Uh, as you know, the circuits are in Europe. They're not here in the U.S. We do have variants that will pay homage to that of the MC20, and that's part of our commitment with the life cycle of MC20 to continue to bring out product events that are bespoke, that are specific, that add to the um, attraction to the brand. So it's a very important piece. Um, with the ACL and the mall switching from the GTE platform for GT cars next year to a GT3 based formula, um, Maserati's not, you know, currently have a GT3 car. Mm-hmm. Um, Stellantis doesn't have anything with other brands of GT3. You've got Peugeot's in the, the hypercar class. Yep. Um, do you see a space potentially for Maserati to extend into GT3, maybe enter GT3? I mean, it would be cool. I, I mean, I, I don't have uh, any insight on that. I, I watched the, uh, the the hypercar race this weekend in Portugal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look, I, it, it's it would be cool, right? That's all I can say. It would be neat to do something like that. But, but I mean, that, you know, racing takes money, and, you know, you have, we have to stay focused. We, we have to keep in mind, too, the size of our brand. So we are a small brand sits at the top of the pinnacle of the Stellantis portfolio, and, you know, we have to invest our resources wisely, right? Our objective is to reach a targeted audience of people who buy our cars on emotion, right? And, and we have to be really targeted in doing that, right? Because we don't have an endless supply of, of, of resource. The more effective we're able to do that, the more effective we're able to capture those customers and win them over with this new product, the the, the more natural and more um, the faster our projector will be with the momentum we have. We have a lot of momentum right now. We are not through the journey right now. We, we, we have a lot more opportunity, particularly with what's, what's come out. Okay. And it's, you know, GT3 is a, you know, a, a big class that races yep. globally, you know, yep. every continent, uh, um, you know, and countless different series. Um, so it seems like it, 
you know, for what you're, it sounds like for what you're trying to do with the brand, like it might be a good fit. You know, I mean, GT2 is mostly a gentleman racer class, um, but uh, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see an MC20 GT3 running against, you know, the 911s and the Ferrari 296s and sure. Corvettes and sure. others. Um, one more thing related to, to motorsports, um, you know, the, the hypercars, um, you know, Peugeot is running the 9x8 in uh, in the World Endurance Championship. The that formula is eligible here in North America in IMSA as part of GTP, but obviously Peugeot is not a brand that's present here. Do you see any potential for taking that platform, rebranding it, say as a Maserati, and running it in? So. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can't provide an opinion on that. I I, I don't have any. Influence well, I guess would, would, would you see if if you could do that? Would you see that as something that could be beneficial to the the Maserati brand, being the top class of something like? That? I, I guess I'll answer it this way. I think that we think that any association that helps elevate our heritage in racing is a good one for Maserati, right? Mm-hmm. There are limits to what, you know, the amount that we can invest because we have the job to do bringing out this new showroom. Um, so, you know, we have returned to racing in a big way, we think. We have, uh, we're in our first year of it, right, with the the the, um, the vehicles that, that, that pay homage to some of the stuff in, in Europe and with the Formula E. And, and I guess we have to see where we go. Okay. Um, Another question I just thought of going back to electrification. Yes. Um, you know, you developed the Nutuno engine yep. as a new internal combustion powertrain for your platform, for your uh, for your lineup. On the electrification side, are you, is Maserati also developing purpose-built electric propulsion systems, or is that more uh, sharing of technology across the Stellantis group? With other brands, I, I and Matt, you can follow up on this. I believe yeah, I it's our it's our technology. Yeah. I mean, we, you need to follow up and just with GT because sure. yeah, that's the first one. That's the one that we've announced. Absolutely. We will be coming out with a Rukale full glory version end of year, first quarter of next year. But that's something. Please follow up if it's oh, where that technology is shared. Okay, thanks. Um, well, I think. I think that covers most of what I wanted to, to talk about. I guess, are there is there anything else that we haven't discussed, you know, about Maserati, you know, either in North America or globally, that you think the listeners should be thinking about, you know, about where where the brand goes, you know, over the next five, 10, 15 years? Um, you know, are there yeah, you talked about you know, SUVs, you know, being the, the big growth area, but also you know wanting to maintain a foothold in some of the, the traditional areas with the Gran Turismo, the MC20. Um, is there? Do you think there is there still a space in the Maserati lineup at some point? You know, if if you continue to grow it, you know, for maybe the return of the sedan or something like a sedan. Or a different form factor entirely. <laughs> yeah, we, we, our growth will be 
in segments where we have the best opportunity to capitalize on what Maserati stands for. We are not going to proliferate into every segment, right? We're not going to be head-to-head with a specific competitor that might be a lot bigger than us. We are not for everyone. We have done a great job of stabilizing and transforming this business, going from a lost position to a positive position. Last year, top-line revenues were up 40%. We grew our profitability over 200%. We became the largest contributor to the global Stellantis picture in terms of uh, those metrics. We um, have an all-new showroom. And so the challenge we have, and it's a good one, is with all this product coming out, how do you give each one the proper runway and proper attention so you generate awareness, people know what you've got before you move on to the next one? And it literally, it's not coming out in, in, in space of years, it's coming out in space of quarters. And that's a function of having this tie to Stellantis, which has a much broader resource pool than we would have at Maserati if we went, if we were standalone, go alone, right? If, if we, you know, so that's, it's a good problem to have. Uh, it's a significant investment. It's a significant transformation. We've been in a place, now we have right now six vehicles in our lineup, right, with the return of the Gran Turismo and Grocali. Grocali's been in the marketplace in the U.S., in Canada, in Latin America for less than four months, right? We, we, we got the car right at the end of the year. We had it across our network in the U.S. You know, effective March 1st because of the logistical issues getting cars from Italy out to the West Coast. Uh, which is natural. And we've only had 45 days of clean air. In that time, though, we've done a couple things with Gercali. Number one, we've, uh, it's become the sales leader overnight, right? It is the, the it, it outsells the rest of the, the portfolio. And number two, it has um, generated a opportunity for us to conquest at a much higher rate than even we were, you know, projected in the first few months through the end of March. We're conquesting at something like 80%, which is significant. That There's your opportunity, right? We only have a finite number of customers from our history of selling cars, units, and operation. So the fact that we are going and conquesting this vehicle 80%, I think is proof positive. We think is proof positive that we're, we're on the right track with the right product in the right segment in the right, you know, with the right positioning. There's only upside from there. Right. But then we amplify or we bring back an icon. I th- we think the company is known for GT. Right. People know what a GT is. Right. It is our, if, if the MC20 is the halo, the Gran Turismo is our icon. People know what it is. So bringing that back with the flexible powertrains, with the performance that uh, we, we're able to offer um, is more opportunity for us. That segment is actually bigger than the Ghibli segment, and it has been for eight years. The Grand which you wouldn't think, and we're the largest market for Gran Turismo, and California is the largest single state for Gran Turismo, so there's a lot of opportunity with that car. For those those 80% conquest buyers for yep. Poly, where are they coming from? All, all over. I mean, they're all premium and luxury brands. Yeah, they're, they're coming from everywhere. It's a big segment. All right. Um, any final thoughts? Sure. No, I, I guess, I mean, I, I'm, I appreciate you, you, you taking the time. I mean, we are, uh, this is part of our um, uh, objective to, to get the word out about Maserati and let people know that, you know, we 
we are different than where we were even 12 months ago. In my two and a half years here, I've seen a massive transformation. Uh, we want to make sure that the, the, the public knows, the media knows that that, that, that transmission, their trans we, we talked about it for a long time. It's here, and it's proved positive by what you see out there. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for your time. time. Appreciate it. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.